piloting the little Nova-class ship of horrors through this vast expanse of the Delta Quadrant. It's Vigor, please, a hateful voyage. My name is Joseph. And I'm the captain who has a ship in much better condition, but I've also uh, inflicted the Borg with continued existence at the detriment of everybody. Peter. And Peter, before we launch into our episode this week, we have some show notes slash scheduling for everybody. As we are finally now arrived within the space dock of the end of season five, as is tradition, we'll be doing our season five rest in peace show next week, where we will uh, break down uh, the high points, the low points, and hand out some of our patent end of season awards. Uh, We have traditionally done those as live streams, uh, but we know that it's been kind of difficult for people uh, with our schedules not really matching up with a lot of our fan schedules since they're spread across the globe. So instead, we're going to do it as a normal episode. But between now and then, now being like Sunday, <laughs> uh, we will solicit for some feedback from our fans about what kind of awards we should be thinking about. Uh, you know, what are some people's thoughts about shows that were, uh, you know in contention for top and or bottom as to why, and, you know, maybe some comments that people would like us shared on the air. So keep your eyes peeled for that. And, and then after that, the week after the rest in peace, we'll actually be providing to our, our listeners, our review of galaxy quest and the subsequent documentary, which we both, we watched for our patrons and recorded that some months ago. And we will go ahead and share that with everybody. Very busy next couple of days. Uh, well, next couple of episodes for us. Uh, but that's what you got to do before we get into the goodness. That's going to be season six. Busy, busy stuff going on everywhere. And I know Discovery season three just started. I haven't had the stomach to sit back and watch that just yet. Uh, I've been keeping pretty busy, actually, with the boys season two. Have you touched the boys at all? <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Have you watched the, the Amazon uh, Prime video TV show, The Boys at all yet, Joe? <laughs> yeah, I watched a few episodes of season one and it def like it. They were close on the boys comic to a degree, but I kind of lost interest, to be honest. I, I I understand season two has uh, continued to stun some folks that weren't aware of what they're getting themselves into. I haven't finished it yet, but uh, I'm I got the last episode to watch. I'm surprised you didn't stick with it. I've I think it's some of the strongest television I've seen in a while. And also, Star Trek Lower Decks. We've talked about it a few times. I finished off the first season. The beginning of the series is terrible. Mariner in specific is very, very hard to sit through, uh, but I'm I don't know if I'm pleased to report, but I, I will truthfully report that the tail end of season one gets good. Uh, it, it builds it pulls a lot of the bad habits that they had established early on and white takes it off the board. And I think they do a good job of getting the crew to grow on you. And I think at this point, it's something worth checking out, Joe. Are you actually making a recommendation that I want to I watch a Kurtzman era product? You already that's did. It's a, da- a dangerous road to go down after the experience we had with Picard. Well, see, here's the thing, though, is that Picard was so bad. I can tell you right now, it's not anywhere near as bad as Picard. You know, there's nowhere to go but up. And 
I will I will give lower decks the same generosity you have to give all Star Trek in that, you know, understanding the first few episodes or in some case the first few seasons of a show uh are something I sit there and scratch your head and say, Wow, how did this stay on there? Like I would say that that lower decks comes to grow on you faster than I found Voyager did. So I think it's got potential. Well, that's, that's something I'm, I'm trepidatious, Peter, but okay. I can, I can, uh, I can give it a try, but at what point is it, does it get good? Like episode three, episode four, how long do I have to suffer? By three things are all right. And, each episode gets better than the last episode. And yeah, I'd say by three, four, like you start moving into stuff where you're like, wow, that gave me a little something to think about. And and part of that show is like the A plot is the silly lower decks nonsense where somewhere in the B plot is like the bridge crew legit mission. Uh, actual good Star Trek. And I will say that consistently through the entire episode, like all the exterior ship shots, space shots, whatever, like. The animation inside can look a little goofy and cartoony, but all the exterior space stuff looks fucking cool. And they did a real great job on it. And uh, you get a couple combat scenes late season that uh, are almost worth the uh, the cost of entry for the entire thing. Oh, the only thing I was spoiled on was that the Packleds are involved, <laughs> who are who are a famous TNG dopey per- antagonist. So it doesn't surprise me, given the guy who's doing the show came up with something like that. But yeah, OK, man, I'd, I'd, I'd go for it at this point. I, I, it did. OK, it did not. If it's bad, I'm going to blame you. I mean, I'm going to make sure, you know, it's your fault. You well, personally. that doesn't bother me. So go. Okay. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I don't <It's>, care. <laughs> speaking of people who don't care. What did we yeah, watch man. this week? End of the line, season five, episode 26, Equinox, part one. So if season five is the season where every character takes a turn in the barrel, then I would say this episode is the concept of the Federation taking its term in the barrel. It's Starfleet in general. You know, like it, th- that is the only thing that's remained untouched is the ideal of Starfleet that, you know, your, your main characters in this case all you know, desperately cling to as rationale for a lot of their reasons. And uh, it, this episode is that giving its uh, turn in the woodshed. Would you agree with that? That is certainly one way to look at what the story is going on here. This was a hard episode because I knew that ultimately none of this stuff was going to matter. And maybe, you know, if it was 1990, whatever, when when was this, by the way? 1999, man. 1999. You know, and that you were watching this thing live and you didn't really know how things were going to resolve. Like, you know, Voyager's never just going to blow up. You know, Voyager's always eventually going to make its way home. Even back then, I think everybody knew it was just a matter of time and how. But the question for stuff like Voyager is, are you going to lose crew? Are you going to pick crew up? And we've already rotated out Jennifer lean in 
favor of uh, uh, seven, seven and nine. nine. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't shake the name. I couldn't shake the name uh, Jerry Taylor. Oh God, we can never uh, shake Jerry Taylor. She's forever haunts our dreams. You know, it's funny because a a news story popped up. I think it was a screen rant, maybe in my news feed, and it also hit my wife. Obviously, I knew why it hit me because you know my Google search history is littered with Voyager shit, but uh, I don't know how it ended up in my wife, but it was talking about the departure of Jennifer lean and you know, what was suspected there again, citing the uh, Garrett Wong uh, people's most attractive list or whatever saying that he was, you know, so beautiful and, and why that wasn't, we've seen rumors that state otherwise. And Garrett Wong says that when they get deeper into Delta flyers, he's going to give his rendition of what the story is, but it was interesting to see that pop back up. Anyways, you know, what are the real stakes in any uh, season cliffhanger season finale? Um, And I have already known that we're not going to pick up any more crew that we're not going to um, leave any more crew behind. So, you know, the idea that there could be new Starfleet faces permanently around, I kind of knew wasn't going to happen. I don't know. It's it's more mad scientist stuff. And I feel like we've gotten a lot of that, but there's certainly different new angles. But it starts off very exciting. There's there's no there's no two ways around that. I was fucking pumped to come in here and, and see some new Starfleet stuff. Um, you know, we, we pick up on that exterior shot of uh, the Equinox floating along shields lit up and then we cut into the interior shot and you see uh, a captain sitting in his chair you see everybody armed with type 2 phasers and i'm like oh man shit's real on this ship it's so rare to see starfleet actively armed yeah and they've they've got like phaser rifles under their fucking chairs man like they don't just have sidearms they got their fucking big gats uh, on hand and it is like disaster zone the smoke machine is working overtime you've got the uh the rando pillar in every bridge you know just falling down on things and uh it is a clearly you know starfleet bridge but definitely not voyager these are no one here is familiar uh this this environment is, you know, it feels familiar in the sense it has the Starfleet design aesthetic, but it's something different. I was disappointed to see more bitch captain's chairs. Like, whatever happened in the good old days when the captain got to be the center of the bridge, not this, like, I get to sit here and then my first officer is directly next to me and we we just share things. Like, I don't like these sharing bridges. <laughs> I want to be center seat, damn it. Yeah. So the uh, the the ship is under attack and uh, uh, the ship is called the USS Equinox, as we will find out. But it should be called USS That Guy because this is a ship teeming with the, uh, the 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 grand Voyager tradition of employing that guys. Uh, the the very first that guy that we see is, in fact, the captain. Uh, the captain is played by an actor named John Savage, who is. I'm quite famous in his time because he was the third lead of the deer hunter, which was a huge movie in the seventies. So it was basically where like Christopher Walken and Robert De Niro's like early career successes, big Oscar award winner. I think Walken might've won for it. Uh, so he was a get, he was a, that guy, a serious actor, but the, he's not the only that guy on this vessel. You've got Rick worthy 
who is a that guy from science fiction all over. He's later, he goes, he's on BSG. He was been on Voyager before. He was the, the BDSM sex robot <laughs> back, I guess, what, prototype <laughs> that Bellata mommed. Uh, so he's been on the show before. You're talking about the uh, guy who, the, the black dude? Yes, the black dude. Noah Lesson. I, re- I remembered him from um, Supernatural. He was like the alpha vampire. Yeah. Uh, dracula guy in that he's he's very that guy he's that guy is all over the place and then uh another that guy that i guess he's turned into a much bigger deal more recently because of uh being in ben affleck's movies uh but uh titus wellever uh who's the uh the guy who's at the helm in this opening scene he plays uh max burke uh so he was in gone baby gone in the town as a supporting actor in that he's just this is this is this is a ship full of people who get more work than most normal Star Trek actors. <laughs> this I aside from the Alpha Vampire from Supernatural, I did not recognize any of these people. And I couldn't really? help but, Yeah, and I, I couldn't help but the whole time like watching really regret that they didn't get somebody who could step up to the plate better to play this ransom guy. The, the captain, like the whole time I was just asking myself, like, why couldn't this have been Kurtwood Smith? Um, they already they already blew their space Boddicker. I, I mean, you can only space Boddicker once. He's such a presence that it's not like he's a guy you can reuse. You fair know? enough. But I, I just I felt like he left a lot on the table and for what should have been a pretty juicy role. It just it was a very flat experience. Um, so shit's going bad and the uh, shields are about to fail. Uh, they're trying to get ready to do something. And there's an argument. Uh, the captain says, we're going to need to drop the shields. The first officer who is working the ops slash helm says, if we drop the shields, they're going to come. But that's the only way through. So they bring the shields down. Everybody's got their compression rifles out. Compression rifles for everybody. You know, on Voyager, only the captain never gets a compression rifle. And only but when it goes here. down to the weapons locker at engineering. <laughs> <laughs> here, though, like you said, they got these things just leaning up. All the empty seats where dead people should be sitting, they've just got guns piled up on them now. And uh, they drop the shields, and you get this scene out of low-budget Ghostbusters where a bunch of goblins start popping out of space buttholes and... Getting phasered. And one of them makes it through and uh, he puts the uh, uh, puts the the death touch on a guy and immediately desiccates the corpse like instant death. Like you get touched by this thing. Apparently you're just fucking gone. So uh, this is some for real, for real space horror uh, that's going on here. And then it's just straight cut to the credits after that. It is terrible CG up against phenomenal practical effects because when that guy gets touched and the life is whisked away and he just kind of denatures and goes hollow like that is some grotesque wicked sci-fi horror death um so and yeah man it's it's got like this real and i say ghostbusters jokingly but that it it's a very paranormal feeling scene with uh the lights out and flickering and these horrific goblin things coming through and some really gross ways to die in Starfleet front and center. 
the first scene that we see back on Voyager is them in astrometrics, in this case, uh, Janeway in Seven of Nine, uh, looking at the uh, distress call uh, that they have just received. And that's where we find out that this uh, captain is uh, Captain Ransom, Rudolph Ransom. His starship is the USS Equinox, is a science vessel. Um, Apocryphally, it is a Nova class science vessel, which has uh, been filled out a great deal uh, since then in terms of like technical manuals and, and, and books and that sort of thing is essentially a replacement for the old Oberth class science vessels. So uh, they eventually decided that, you know, something that just kind of got like hit by a torpedo and then fell apart was probably whoa, whoa. not the best. Spectacularly, every time. <laughs> Need to improve that just a touch. So they came up with uh, the Nova class, which is a more capable uh, ship, uh, but meant for the same thing, which is uh, planetary surveys, science missions that are not long term. Right. This is supposed to operate within Starfleet's space and be modestly capable of defending itself. And, you know, I want to talk about Ransom here real quick on top of the terrible, terrible decision to name him Rudolph. Uh the first officer of the Cerritos, which is uh, the ship we focus on in Star Trek Lower Decks, uh, that's Commander Ransom. So I wonder if there is any relationship there. I guess. Hey, you tell me, man. You've seen it. Maybe some point they'll like talk about he has some like uncle who is uh, <laughs> got whisked <laughs> away from the Delta Quadrant and is <laughs> a mass murderer. But anyway, uh, I I have a completely different opinion than you on captain ransom i think that i i liked the 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 spot that he was in where he's kind of like grimly determined rather than uh uh kind of there was two ways to go about it right go really big or just be more i'm beaten down by everything that i've done and i think that that's kind of the mode that he decided to go into it was like this guy's you know as we'll find out done terrible things and you know he's trying to grind this out and get his people home while not really thinking of trying to think about what he's doing, do it. And uh, I liked it. I think that he was in the, the right spot that having him play it real big or, or trying to like swing for the fences. I, I don't think necessarily was correct. Um, but uh, they uh, back to the actual episodes, you know, pace, which is this episode just goes by fast, by the way, it's like 44 minutes. Like there's not a wasted second. And, um, they're like, oh shit, there is a Starfleet vessel that is three light years away. How did this happen? Why are they here? They're under attack. Damn the torpedoes full speed ahead. We are going to figure this out. Um, and, uh, they, they order Tom to, uh, head towards the distress signal at maximum warp. They get there and, uh, they're, they're still together despite the fact that the distress call was sent hours ago. And uh, they they throw their shields over the Equinox to prevent whatever it's attacking it from destroying the ship. Obviously, I would have liked to see something there like, geez, we better be careful. The last time we saw a Federation vessel, it was really uh, a trick to try and shoot us into the Borg. But I don't think anything suffers for the lack of awareness to hope and fear and and some of the other earlier stuff we saw. This is season four. Uh, yeah, it was the end of season four. So it was our last season finale was the last time we kind of got like our balls tickled with Federation contact. And I th- I buy the lack of sus- lack of suspicion because it's a very different situation, right? Like 
some rando ship in the Delta Quadrant. There's people on it this time. It's not some like, hey, this is new technology. This this is some this is just like, oh, what is it doing here? <laughs> like that maybe it too got, you know, yeeted here by some kind of weird space <laughs> entity, which we'll find out is the explanation. They throw their shields around the Equinox and I think the best part of the episode is when they beam over to like try and like figure out what the fuck is going on. And it's like they stumbled onto the set of a horror movie. <laughs> like, oh, my God, what the fuck? They like find all the the guest star survivors in different spots. There's uh, you know, Rick Worthy's character, Noah Lessing, uh, you know, trapped in a Jeffrey's tube with like a whole bunch of boulders over his legs and he's paralyzed. <laughs> Where did all these rocks come from? This is a Jeffrey. <laughs> it's granite. <laughs> Stan- it's, it's the standard granite that gets built into the ceilings of Starfleet vessels. Just, just to make sure that we can have as many OSHA violations as possible. You know, you say it's a, it's a set of a horror movie, but you know, this is not a situation that, Voyager doesn't frequently find itself in. So I think in a certain way, it's kind of like a second home being over there, seeing the bridge with the fucking the the support pylon of death, you know, draped down across where tactical could kind of be. Um, you know, we we've got some real tropes in play here to the detriment of the episode. Obviously, when you zoom in close in engineering you're like oh man what's up with these manifold relays or whatever and they look like some garbage cans welded onto the side of the warp core connected by garden hoses or whatever it's like uh that's probably going to be a major plot point otherwise you know Chekhov's gun they wouldn't be showing it right they wouldn't make a point of having Balana pointed out yeah like I, I get this is quote unquote old tv uh, maybe I don't think I'm abnormally smart. I just think that I'm, you know, the product You're used to of, watching Star Trek. So not even Star Trek, just like everything at this point. You know, they're not going to show you this thing unless it's important. So like in, I knew nothing about this going in and instantly it's like they're fucking with shit. They shouldn't be. There's some sort of like I don't want to say scanners because I think we got in trouble for misquoting that last time. But you guys <laughs> have some sort of uh you know, UAC doom hell tech you're using. <laughs> ah, you're using that reference because you know it, because you've been playing uh, doom eternal. Uh, listen, man, I was bad. What was the one? Eh, whatever. The one where you couldn't have the flashlight out and the gun out at the same time. That's, that's that where was I doom got my three. Ugh. Oh, that, that wasn't doom yeah. three. It was, it was, that was the big drag on it was that you had could have the flashlight or a gun. And it was like, there's no duct tape on Mars. That was the yeah. meme. Yeah. <laughs> Doom 2016 and Doom 2020 are great, by the way. You should play it. But, you know, you're using some sort of hell tech. You're sacrificing people or there's some there's some nonsense going on here to boost these engines and you're reaping what you've sown. So I you know, the breadcrumbs were there. It wasn't easy or wasn't hard to see where the story was going to go. But then, you know, didn't mean it wasn't enjoyable along the way soon enough we get everybody cut out from the various boulders they've been trapped under uh, yeah there was uh there's the engineer who's the uh the blonde lady i called her ensign megan kelly because her voice is super low pitched like hers um the they get uh 
uh, Lessing, you know, with, with the boulders on him. Uh, Neelix gets shot at by some lunatic who's got yeah. PTSD. That felt very real. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and Janeway uh, finds Captain Ransom and they're like, Captain Ransom's like, oh, you guys must be from Earth. And I was like, yeah, we're not. Uh, what are you guys doing here? It's like yeah, some alien called the Caretaker, you know, gave us all a bunch of alien syphilis. And then we just cured it off screen like you did. And then uh, went on our way, I guess. Yeah, jinx. <laughs> oh, how ironic. So yeah, uh, they they quickly settle up that uh, the Equinox is here for the same reason Voyager was uh, the uh, the unspoken. uh but a canonically uh, supported story is that the Equinox was yeeted into the Delta Quadrant just before Voyager was. And uh, that's why they kind of like got a weird kind of head start. And that's why Voyager never found them. Uh, they went into a little bit of a different direction. And obviously they had a much more unorthodox journey, but they got there the same way. Caretaker array, all that. And uh, they get everyone off the ship and into sick bay and and all of that. Next scene is like on Voyager and they're in the the mess mess hall. They're like all cleaned up. They yes, just skip the, uh, all of that. They skip uh, the, they skip that scene in the middle where they like all catch up that they're there for the same reason. <laughs> which then, I thought would have been fun. But I agree. This is a very fast paced episode. And, and no I time. Think I, yeah. You know, a, a big catch up like that would have done no real favors for the show. Uh, and it's very important to get this next scene in in sick or uh, in the mess hall where we see that Captain Ransom is a dirty motherfucker who will go up to one of his subordinates and just put his fingers in their food like he's Neelix and just and just eat someone else's food in front of him. Like, dude, well, that, that get your own bowl. Later. That doesn't that doesn't happen until later. This is the one where they're that's after you find out that he's dead. That is my big takeaway from this whole episode. It's how pissed <laughs> off I would be if another grown man came up over my shoulder and took chicken off my plate with his bare hands and fucking ate it. Like that's that's the real dark spot for Starfleet here, man. It's not it's not turning people into go juice. It's <laughs> for engines that run on goblins. It's captains I, put I, their hands in people's food i it's like madness. calling it uic hell tech of like you know there's just the absurd idea of like we found a way to get home what does it entail it entails burning kittens alive and harvesting their hatred <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, we shouldn't do that guys <laughs> but the this is the like the big you know heartwarming come together moment right you get the you've got ransom he's got his people on board they're talking about everyone who died but hey we found voyager voyager found us we're immediately going to be members of the same family we're going to work together about the stuff that we're dealing with now, go team go team starfleet right like right off right out the the gate this is where uh, my favorite of that guys uh which is lieutenant burke the xo of uh, the Equinox finally kind of really like puts it down because what we find out is that Lieutenant Burke has got a special connection on Voyager and that is he is Balana's ex-boyfriend <laughs> and in he B Burke is definitely a better boyfriend material than Tom Paris has ever been on his best day. <laughs> 
like rolls right over to Bolana, like, hey, BLT, what's up, girl? Hey, you still got my sweater from the last time we fucked while we were in the academy? <laughs> like, <laughs> just boom. Like, I'm slick as shit. I got gray hair, but I'm young. So it's like got that Anderson Cooper vibe. I'm, I'm cool. I love him. Uh, this introduces us to the last thing I've ever wanted second to Chakotay's father. And that is more jealousy subplot involving Tom Paris. <laughs> happy to wish that farewell when it was the Neelix Kess Paris love triangle. And now that it's BLT uh, Maxwell, who I don't know if he just needs to blow his nose or what, but when the guy talks like his way of talking just drives me nuts. And Tom getting super, super, super jealous. Like, man, get rid of that scene. Um, what? Oh, I loved it, man. First of all, Titus Welliver has like a Boston accent, like a motherfucker. So I'm pretty sure he's talking like that. So it doesn't sound like he's, you know, Harvard Yard, get some chowder. Second, I, it was jealousy done right because he doesn't give a fuck. Right. He doesn't care. It was always like super cringy because it's like this built up confrontation between Tom and Neelix and all this other stuff where Burke just is like, I don't fucking care. Right. Like, I'm going to throw the moves on. I'm just that guy. Right. I'm just filled with that fuck energy. Speaking uh, for the apathy he doesn't give, my big letdown for this episode is that nobody brings any attention whatsoever especially when the finger pointing starts with Janeway condemning Ransom for his actions like there's never any mention like hey half your fucking crew is uh murderous space terrorists what's up with that like (laughs) a lot of kind of jokes like yeah you know I dropped out of Starfleet and then became a terrorist you know ho 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 and he's like yeah um but I, I thought there was some real meat on the bone and they didn't, at least in this one, maybe that changes in episode uh, part two. But uh, everybody just lets that fly right under the radar. I think it's because the Equinox people are just too busy trying to hide their dirty, right? Like we don't have time to like opine about Janeway, you know, having terrorist officers where when, you know, we're we're terrible people who are murdering kittens. Um, you know, we've, our sins are clearly worse. We don't, we can't do that. We can't play the game that way. You know, there is one line by ransom actually, where he has Janeway alone for a minute. He's like, Hey, let me ask you something. Captain to captain. Like, um, you ever, uh, you ever break the prime directive and Janeway looks him like dead in the eye. (laughs) Lies. (laughs) Dead man lies. No, not even once. Like, uh... Bitch, I've watched know. this show! I've watched this show! Shut the fuck up, you liar! Like, what I don't the know. fuck? Is this bad writing? Is this Janeway openly lying? Is this the writers not having ever watched any of the previous episodes or their decisions not to discuss them? And this is, you know, this is Bran Bradaw. This is Joe Manowski. You got David Livingston uh, directing. So... You've got some real continuity and and some real willful uh, deception here when she she tells him no. But yeah, and I wanted to get to that scene in due course. Uh, There's a little bit more backfill story, kind of like them setting up the the dirty. You know, they they have the meeting on the uh, 
uh, in the astrometrics talking about is these nucleogenic aliens. You know, they come in from a different plane of existence. They try to attack. You know, they basically they touch you, you die. Um, you know, they they've come up with a way to try and um, create a, a force field to contain it. The where the force field was created. You know, is the mystical no-go zone on the equinox? Oh no, I wonder if there's something terrible there. And that's when they get to the scene where they're on the equinox bridge and they, you know, Janeway's like, oh no, we've totally never broken the prime directive. We've been great. Well, while Ransom is clearly trying to fill a feeler out of like, so you've also been stuck in the Delta Quadrant for the last five years. What gnarly shit have you done? And she just won't cop to anything, right? Even though you and I have watched the show and we know that in fact they have done a great deal of dirt up to and including Janeway being personally responsible for the continued existence of the Borg, something that's far worse than Rudy Ransom ever did, did ever. And uh, literally billions have died because of Janeway's malfeasance. Uh, and I see what you're saying of like, is this just, you know, is this bad lying or her a liar? I wish it was her being a liar. That would be so much better if she was just in denial, but you yeah. know, it's just bad writing. The dangerous yeah. are like, yeah, everything she's done has totally always been completely defensible. We've been very consistent with her character. <laughs> we've never made terrible choices as a consequence of the things we've had her do on screen. How much cocaine do you think you would have to partake in to, to finally believe that as a writer on this show? I don't so much cocaine, man. You don't need cocaine to be completely self-deceptive, you know? Like to just huff your own farts for a little while and you're just like, yeah, this is fine. Like you just get high on your own supply in a very normal way to do that. And it's a disservice to the episode for people like us because we have seen every episode. We can just point at this and say, what the fuck? I thought it was really cool for the character of Ransom, who's like, I don't know this woman. I don't know what she got up to. But, you know, if I level with her and she's like, yeah, we've done some shit we're not proud of, and then maybe I can be like, so have we. So maybe we can sweep some things under the rug here and move on. That's kind of like obviously what he's going for here, right? I'll like, get you home. Yeah, like, bro, we figured some shit out. Let's get through this little pet rough patch and then we can just get home. and We don't have to talk about her. Like, that's what he was going for. And I really liked that, right? Like. But instead, she's like, no, we've totally always towed the line. We're Starfleet. He's like, oh, yeah, us, too. Totally. <laughs> yeah, we're uh, right there with you. I was just testing you. Yeah. And that's when he goes uh, to uh, Max on in the in the uh, uh, mess hall and eats his fucking chicken. <laughs> it's like, uh, yo, uh, we're in some trouble. These people are too goody two shoes for us. They ain't going to fucking understand. Yeah, I keep asking about this Tuvix guy. Nobody even looked me in the eye. Uh, <laughs> let me let me speak to the science lab of no goness. Like as soon as I say that, it's like okay, well there's there's where they're praying to hell. There's where they're crushing down kittens and doing whatever it is that got them into this fiasco to start with. Like yeah, just send the doctor in there. Why don't they just send the doctor in? Well, they did. It would, I know, but like you could have just. <laughs> Did it early. It's they finally. I thought you would be pleased that they. Finally I know, but they could have done it up please. front, like you know. Oh, 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 so you do realize that you could have done this, and now it's too late. Whatever. <laughs> you, Whatever. They finally, they finally do the thing that you've been asking them to do for 
for weeks upon weeks. And but now they only like, do it after it doesn't it. really matter, is it? Like, it's after I, they discover the deception, you know, after they figure out that, like, oh, this is being done on purpose. Again, I think it's... I'm curious, you know, was this new and inventive storytelling when it came out or when you watch this initially, you're like, yeah, let me, you know, let's 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 ask you point blank. Like, do you remember watching this episode for the first time? Yeah, I do. Absolutely. Was any of this at all surprising to you when it happened for the first time back in 99? So this was happening at the same time that DS9 was ending. Um, Literally, like the last couple episodes of DS9 were being released in the same couple weeks here. And that was obviously also a very like dark, you know, Star Trek bad shit is happening. And so I wasn't necessarily seeing the mass murder part of what the Equinox crew was doing coming, but it, I mean, they clearly foreshadowed them being dirty and that that was no longer a surprise because of some, you know, where Trek was and in, in kind of uh, giving you a, a, uh, I guess you'd call it a more gray federation willing to do dark things in in DS9. What I liked going on here is that Ransom pulls his crew back. Well, no, they make a decision. They say uh, that basically the Equinox is too far along and that given the current situation, they don't have the time to get her up and running so Everybody should relocate to the Voyager and and scuttle the Equinox, which really seemed like a terrible, terrible idea to me. Like, I would have never thought that Janeway and Chakotay would come up with a plan to take an entire second ship and just throw it in the trash. Uh, and I think maybe they just don't frame the direness of the situation well enough because it, yeah. it's, cert- it's too like, rushed. It's like, what? Why, like, you're not going to really try to keep the fucking thing like, you know, or there was no there was no communication of urgency that made it seem like it was necessary to immediately abandon the Equinox. Um, So Ransom's like, no, I'm not going to give my ship up. And they have a little bit of a of an argument. And then Janeway's like, well, actually. Uh, Federation rules say all I need to do is say Praxis and now I'm in charge because my ship's not all fucked up and he's like oh is that so well I guess you're the boss then and she's like all right, cool get all your guys together and get your stuff off the ship and then we're going to stupidly blow it up because you know I don't remember the past five years of me almost losing my ship and how good it'd be to have a backup and they're like okay cool and then Ransom's like yeah we're not going to do that he gets uh, his crew back on the Equinox so they could go quote unquote clean it out. And he's like, we're going to need to push forward with the plan. And these Voyager guys, they are not going to understand. So we just need to do our thing and get the fuck out of here. Uh, or it's going to be bad news for us. And I did really like the rest of his crew. And, you know, basically the senior staff at that point is uh blonde engineering lady, alpha vampire, uh, Max ransom, and there's, you know, some some pretty open disagreement to the plan. And they had established earlier that a lot of the Federation protocol and formality had been set to the side. And everybody's on a first name basis here uh, with the blonde lady and alpha vampire being like, maybe we should just stay with these guys. Like, we don't have to do what we've been doing. And, you know, we think that there's a, a bright future for us as a whole group. And he's like, no, 
we're doing things my way and I need to be able to count on you guys. And I really thought that we were going to see a soft, gentle mutiny, like, like the good guy coming through and all of these people. And by the time the shit goes down, like everybody stays true to their word here and sticks to the plan. The, at, when they're, when they're coming up with the plan, Part of it is Max has to go and steal the plans for this generator they're building to create these this net that will prevent these aliens from being able to penetrate the ship anymore. And so he goes down to engineering and like, you know, he grabs a like a tricorder to like download it and then Bolana catches him. Up in the dry hump loft. Yes, up in the murder loft of makeouts. The only place where this confrontation could possibly happen, right? Mm-hmm. It's the perfect location. And again, Max shows that he just does not give a shit because he's like, hey, you know, I'm just uh, breaking into this computer because, uh, you know, I might have to learn how this ship works because I might be stuck on it. Maybe uh, we can uh, you can tutor me over dinner. That would be great. And Bolan is like, yeah, the problem was you never wanted to study <laughs> or eat dinner. <laughs> Like, I get it. You two used to fuck. We get it. You can't say that because you keep it PG. But this is twice now that you've made it clear that these two have banged. And uh, now nah, I get it. I get the vibe. But he's like, oh, you and Tom Paris, huh? you know, you could do worse, I suppose. I'm like a filthy patak. It's fine. It's Lessing and uh, the engineering lady who is uh, Marla, I think her name is. Sounds right. And so Marla is like the one who's uh, yeah, Marla Gilmore. She's the one who's like, oh, I've got family back home. She's kind of like the, the she's gotten the most of the conscience out of all of them. Um, she's the one that interacts with uh, Naomi Wildman on the ship very briefly. She's like she shows up for like just one scene. Yeah, um, you, you get the you know, you get the feeling that she's the most like nurturing out of all of them. And then Lessing just is like seven of nine is the one that like talked to him while uh, Harry was cutting the, uh, the Federation concrete off of him. And so he's like, oh, you know, these people saved my life. So I do like them. And I, you know, I'm trying to be deferential to the idea that we shouldn't fuck these people over and take the, the MacGuffin that's going to save us all from these uh, aliens that we've pissed off. And uh, yeah, I, I liked the, I liked what you you're talking about where they are, there's this discussion and you know, the good guys are like, maybe we don't, but they end up like, okay, no, I guess we'll just be evil. That's fine. Uh, we've been, we've been rolling with you for five years through the worst shit. So we have loyalty to you. And I actually think that that makes more sense than immediately going, Oh, Hey, no, I'm just going to roll with these people. I don't know. Like I, I get it. So, uh, they all start about their plans. Like you said, uh, Max, distracts Bolana with flirting while he steals the plans for this stuff. Uh, Alpha Vampire goes down and puts some pattern enhancers on the Ghostbuster proton beam net so they can jack that when it's time to go. I forget what really starts to kind of clue Janeway into the fact that there's something bad going on here. Is it the fact that that science center is still flooded with theta radiation? Yeah, and Astrometrics 7 and Tuvok discover that it's uh, being still flooded with radiation because it's been meant to. Like someone has made it happen where they could have cleared out. That's when Janeway's like, ah, 
a suspicious feeling a little bit about this guy. Let's uh, send the doctor over and make Peter's wishes come true and uh, finally use the doctor because he's immune to things. To everything. uh, See what's going on over there. Other than pads. (laughs) And they beam the doctor over and that's when he's like, oh, hey, here's the containment thing. Wait a second. It's like a prison. Wait a second. There's like a desiccated corpse in here. Wait a second. It's like they they turned it into uh, a powder. Wait a second. Uh, Soylent Green is made of people like it's like it's one revelation after another where they're like, oh, they've been capturing these things and grinding them up into into get into go juice. This is uh, this is terrible. Let's talk for a second about the idea of. The Equinox's position here because what they what they do is they 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 drag ransom they arrest everybody and they drag ransom into the briefing room and and you know Janeway's like what the fuck and he explains the real surprise here by the way is the fact that a Voyager security detail goes out to do a job and they actually do that job and arrest that guy without getting several ass kickings first (laughs) Equinox crew not as good as a Ferengi Apparently, (laughs) (laughs) so uh, the idea here is that Ransom makes the 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 pitch of like, yeah, so our life is hell. We're on a ship that wasn't prepared to be here. We're not on a fucking, you know, uh, state of the art super cruiser like you. I was on a shitty science vessel that had no hope of ever getting home. Max of like warp six. Yeah, like we were limping from disaster to disaster. I lost most of my dudes. We were on our last legs. We could barely make it into orbit of like the nearest M-class planet. We lucked into there being like some people who could help us keep limping along a little bit, a little dilithium, some supplies, all of that. And that's when we stumbled into the situation where these uh these uwu space you know creatures that they uh worship as as little uh, spirits of good fortune were like emanating a bunch whole bunch of uh of go juice and maybe we could use that to help ourselves and we were tired of slowly getting bled out in the delta quadrant the ship that was never capable of what we were asking it to do and so we decided oh we're going to go ahead and take advantage of the situation and fuck you like, yeah, I uh, I got to kill 63 more of these fucking things to get home. <laughs> and I'm going to because fuck you. I'm tired of all of my people dying. How about them apples? Like, I'm sorry I'm not on this ship with uh, a whole bunch of extra terrorists that pick up along the way and your neural gel packs and your and your working replicators and your holodecks and all this other bullshit you're making life easy on. Super stand space elves. Right. Like your your fucking Borg drone that happens to have all the sum of knowledge of every Borg ever and you know, Borg pixie dust running through her veins so they can resurrect people. Like, I don't have any of that. Fuck you. And I like that a lot. Like that this is the like a, su- a very human thing of like I got to my breaking point and I could either have my people just continue to slowly die in front of me until we all died inevitably like we were there that was what was going to eventually happen or we could get home and the cost of that would be the suffering of some things i don't care about and don't understand that i mean that's i don't think what ransom did was that hard to imagine someone doing in that circumstance like at all even the enlightened 24th super century you know so janeway makes uh 
a good counter argument here where she says, I saw your lab. I saw the number of trial and errors you went through. It wasn't like it was something as simple as like capture the space Muppet and jam it in the microwave. And now, you know, the warp drives running faster. Like there was some serious trial and error and a lot of uh, killing before you were able to refine the process down. Uh, And I thought that was a, you murdered a lot of kittens before you finally got the kitten kitten murdering process down to a science. Yeah, that recipe was expensive. Um, I, it was good. I think I would have liked it more had it been a specific event or decision that we had seen Voyager encounter previously, where Janeway had to pick the high road rather than uh, succumb. So it would be a more it'd be an easier uh, situation to compare the two crews on. Uh, And certainly there's been enough opportunities that Janeway has squandered. But, you know, not genocide, but mass murder out of a Starfleet captain is a pretty easy picture to paint a a bad guy symbol over. (laughs) No, it's definitely that Ransom is in the wrong, but he's in the wrong in a way that isn't cartoonish. And that's what I like about it. Like, sure. Yes, obviously you can draw a clear moral line that him doing these experiments and killing these aliens is bad and he should not be doing them. But it isn't a I am evil for the sake of just kind of being a douchebag kind of way that easy villains kind of sometimes are. It's a evil for the sake of doing something that he feels he has to do like a, he has a responsibility to his crew he and he also he has a desire to get home himself and therefore his sin is one of a moral failing rather than being a sociopath you know for him the, the ends justify the means yeah he's beaten down he's broken he does not like what he is doing but he is committed to doing it because he has decided the moral weight of making this choice is less than failing these people who are under my command and, you know, is his own self-preservation. Like it's, it is a kind of failing that is much more realistic rather than he's just a black hatted bad guy. And uh, that leaves room to tell a more interesting story. You know, they send the doctor out for a second round to try and get more information on what's been going on here so they can try to, start mending the rift that has been created and these creatures going to war with them. So the doctor's not able to decrypt some files and he finds out that the encryption holder is the Equinox EMH. And uh, he's like, oh, is the EMH still working? And they're like, yeah. And to this point, all we know about the EMH is that it is uh, inept and not as gentle or efficient as Voyager's. And that's relayed by the alpha vampire. So uh, the doctor goes to sickbay, turns the other doctor on. They have a little chat where the doctor once again foolishly exposes his Achilles tendon, being the hypertech Captain Caveman uh, holographic emitter that allows him to walk freely outside the halls of Voyager's medbay. So what we will come to find out is our second back-to-back evil doctor in a row. Yes. yes. Just hits his ass with an iPad. Yeah. Just just boops him. Just knock that shit off. Like, it's so simplistic. Like, hello, I am evil. What What are you doing here? Oh, um, I'm here because I've got this thing on my arm. Cool. 
We arrested all your dudes, by the way. Yeah. Hey, like how how many times has the doctor fallen in this trap now? Five. <laughs> Tactical programming is not part of his database. This is only, he's a work in progress. A- he's only good at space terrorism. <laughs> That's it. We're going to teach you the importances of secrets. And from now on, your mobile emitter is a secret. So other people do not steal it and you and and whatever. So, yeah, this is uh, this is our second evil doctor uh, hot on the heels of Warhead. So that last one was called Warhead. Yes. And he is the mastermind behind the UAC Helltech kitten juice engine. He is the one who has conducted all of the terrible uh, Mengele-ish experiments in the basement. And he has a plan. So he's he... the he's the Dr. Hayden of this particular hell tech circumstance. He's the one who's put us all together. And it's because they turned off his morality. Deleted so, it. Yeah. Yeah. So which, if I recall, there was another episode. It was like a uh, darkling. When the doctor's like morality switch was like faulty at one point and they were on the space trucker uh, space truck stop or whatever. So we've been down this road before. But anyway, many times, many times, uh, the the uh, Dr. Jekyll, the Mr. Hyde uh, version of the uh, doctor puts on the mobile emitter and he's like, yes, I am totally the Voyager EMH. I am good. Yay. Good. Hey, Joe. You remember yeah. all those nice things I just said about Voyager's security? Yeah. <laughs> Let's take them all back. <laughs> you got a crew of war criminals who you've just confined to quarters. So these two dopes, I don't even know what the fuck their names were, just dumbass one and dumbass two. You'll notice Ayala is not involved in this group of dummies. Like this guy oh. had to have some claws in his contract saying like, I can't ever do something stupid. I'm fine. He was not in having this episode, line. by the way. Alaya he was, was in like, it. yeah. <laughs> he fills in for uh, Tuvok for yeah. Tuvok when they go over. Yeah. So these guys, they put everybody in a conference room with all their scheming pads and everything. So you know, you guys just chill out in there. And the doctor shows up and says, "Hey, uh, these guys, I got to give them nasal swabs. They might have COVID." And they're like, "Oh, okay, go ahead in there." <laughs> and he's got a suitcase full of guns. <laughs> Yes. And he goes, hey, guys, what's up? It's me. <laughs> it's, and they're like, it's oh, your cool. boy, Dr. Hayden. Here are some guns. Let's get out of here. Dude, all you have to do to make the doctor a complete badass is just delete his morality, right? Like he goes from dopey hacker doctor to I'm going to break into this room by lying about them having COVID and deliver a suitcase full of clocks and two bags of cocaine and say, let's get them, boys. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yep. So they escape. They all beam over. You know, they can't stop the emergency transport because when has the bridge ever been able to successfully stop an auth- authorized transport? Yeah. And the answer is <laughs> never. Basically, every element of the Equinox's plan succeeds uh, up to and including uh, like do you think that Ensign Gilmore, the engineer, is going to be like the one that really turns on him. But it turns out, like, you know, it, it doesn't matter that she did what she did. I don't know. That that part was unclear. Like, she seemed to turn on him, but it, what she did wasn't part of the plan. 
anyway, and they just overcame it. It just ultimately didn't didn't matter. Uh, I will also point out that at no point do they try to just beam all the other guys back over. It's damn whatever. it. They beamed <laughs> off. Beam back. What? <laughs> we can't. <laughs> they just, that seems really rude. I can't. I can't just beam them back over because keep in mind at this point, Voyager is providing shields for both vessels. Right. Uh, of course, the uh, the space goblins are prepared to start making an attack. The Equinox springs its plan and they steal the brand new shielding technology that Voyager had been developing. They beam it right out of there. They steal some other information and they break off. And And right as they do that, the space buttholes start opening up and the ghosts start pouring out and they're pissed. And uh, for all her big talk, Janeway does not hesitate to have all the guns ready to start shooting these fucking things out. I don't know. Did we see any Voyager crew members get zapped? Uh, no, because it's basically just as they're like coming out that they cut the to the to be continued screen. So un, unsure as to if anybody gets got there at the end. But who know. knocked seven and nine out? Oh, yeah. She was over on the Equinox and Ensign Gilmore knocked her out. Yeah, just 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 got her with a phaser. You don't really see what happened, but that's when you know she must have decided. been a real phaser and not one of those 29th century tickle phasers. Yeah, th- that was and that reveal was that she was fine continuing to be on Ransom's team there. So, yeah, so every, the Equinox gets away. Uh, they twirl their mustache and say, now we now we can murder more kittens and get home. And then Voyager is left to deal with all the angry, uh, uh, spoopy uh, aliens that are trying to kill them. And that's where they leave it. You get a good phone call where Janeway's like, you can't do this. He's like, yeah, actually sitting around in a brig for 30 years didn't sound like a great time. Had only he known that Janeway doesn't actually punish anybody. Right. Unless you get in trouble for making out or trying to bomb an underwater installation. They have got like a like a. 89% 89% chance that she'd just be like, yeah, okay, I'm not gonna, if I'm gonna let a bunch of terrorists work on here, then I don't see any problem with, you know, some dudes that were just in a rough place. It's interesting to consider, like, what if Ransom had just, like, straight up from the beginning after they got rescued, like, hey, Captain Janeway, you're gonna find out all this out anyway, so let me just tell you what's up. This is what happened, this is what we did, it's all my fault I'm telling you now because we were desperate. Punish me all you want. I'm the one who did it. If it would have gone much, it would have gone much differently. Like, do you think Janeway's the kind of character who would have been like, uh, because you ransom or taking responsibility for this? I'll like, you know, I'll hose you, but like, we'll get you the rest of your people home. You know, you know? she throws that line out. Uh, he's like, don't punish my crew. They were just following orders and she's like too bad for them. And it's like, again, moments like that are so clouded by all of her terrible decisions in the, the just the results of bad writing, dragging her into the trash can that like all that stuff comes off as so hypocritical comparing this episode to the Pegasus arc in Battlestar Galactica here. You've got a bunch of war criminals basically who are clearly the bad guys and they, they fuck Voyager over and stick them in the bad position. That's, that's the plot structure there, right? Pegasus, you had a conflict in that they were overboard on following the rules. 
they were extremely xenophobic to the point you're going to start seeing a backslide where um, there had been some positive progress in Galactica kind of being willing to to cross that peace bridge. And Pegasus had uh, Admiral Kane having clear rank over uh, the Battlestar Galactica captain and and the balance of power there. So it was a very different situation, but at the same time, I would have liked to see something a little less good guy, bad guy going on with Voyager, some other type of conflict or something incompatible between the two of them. And so to, I don't want to blow too much about what happens in the next episode, but like everything you're talking about right now is when, why Ron Moore ended up not working out for the show because he came on and helped write the second part of this episode. And everything you're talking about is the shit he wanted to do of like, there needs to be more understanding of this conflict. There needs to be more like, there's going to be things that happen in part two that these, there needs to be lasting consequences for these, you know, like all of that (laughs) stuff, like lasting consequences. Yeah. Ron Moore. Stop. Seriously though. Like Ron Moore quit on Voyager because his experience was so bad. So quick of like, Oh, so like we need to make it. So when these choices happen, it actually impacts things that happen in future episodes. And they're like, no, we're never going to do that. And they're like, he's like, but what do you mean? And he, it, it's this incompatibility of like, he did DS9 where that was what he did for years, right? Like shit that happened four seasons prior continues to like you have an impact later on. Hell, the last two seasons, the whole show was basically just one serialized long story arc, right? Like, so he got to do that for indulge himself in in on because he was doing a show no one fucking cared about. And he comes to the UPN show and he's like, all right, now we're going to do the same thing. And they're like, <laughs> no. So it doesn't surprise me that when he literally got his next shot to do something, he just they, he took that idea and is like, I'm going to do that now with angels. Unfortunately. And, yeah, oh. the supernatural elements of that show, BS, uh, Battlestar Galactica, were clearly the worst parts. Like, big time. They were you literal, know, literal Deus Ex Machinas. I have been reflecting on BSG a lot ever since we had our initial discussion back at the end of uh, Warhead, talking about that. And like, there's so much good to be remembered about Battlestar Galactica. But then I start thinking about all the religious angel god stuff that I had kind of made myself forget about and it's like it's just fucking terrible and uh i think it really taints the last couple seasons of it yeah like that shows first i want to say two seasons because it's two seasons plus a couple episodes into season three were something really special and it just didn't know how to focus on the parts that were working and instead kind of went in that supernatural direction to find an ending. Yeah. And that was the worst decision they could make. And as, as, as much as the first couple seasons are brilliant and some of the best science fiction TV ever made that still holds up. I, I can't watch much past season three, like even into season three, it just gets unwatchable. Like after they, once they find, uh, once they do the all along the watchtower bit, yeah, like it's just no, no, I'm done. I can't do I can't do this anymore. I remember being so hype for that show every week it was on. And when it was like go on extended hiatus and then like it 
it also went on hiatus again because of the writer's strike back then and all this other stuff. Like it was such a long wait. But as the show went on, it was just obviously getting so much worse. And I was invested in a way where it, it, it mirrored my experience a lot with a lot, a lot of people had with uh, Game of Thrones. Where you're like, come on, man, pull it back out. Be good again. And shows rarely make that turn back to quality when they're in that kind of extended decline. It just doesn't happen. Because what's the problem is the producers and the writers aren't they don't have they're not on that same level that they were before for whatever reason. And rarely do you have the self-awareness to like write the ship and go back and say, I'm fucking up because it's very difficult to do, especially in a creative world. It's even more difficult because people are telling you you're brilliant all the time. And so, you know, they thought that what they were doing was great. And they had this great abstract story about cycles and what happened before will happen again. And there's this supernatural element that goes beyond all the characters understandings that bring them together. And they thought that was just so cool where everyone else was like, no, the cool part was this kind of gritty military sci-fi survival story that you mostly focused on for the first two seasons. And it was fucking great. And there was this weird sleeper agent thing with these weird robot people. And that was weird, but it was also kind of like that, that, outside influence you didn't quite understand that was making you wonder what the fuck was going on that added a cool element to it that's what made the show work and then you just kind of blew all that up kind of fucked it all up and it was terrible and you shouldn't have done that uh, anyway i don't want to go too f- i just we could i battlestar galactica should be the next show we watch for a show <laughs> i can't i don't want to get in bed with the fucking religious element again yeah i, I just kind of i don't want to review battlestar galactica because i know how it will go Oh, this show's great. This show's great. This show's great. Oh, no. Guys, it's the yeah. boxing episode. Oh, no. <laughs> so, you know, we'll stick with Star Trek, I guess. And we'll uh, we'll stick with season six here coming up, man. Obviously, they'll wrap up the the story of the Equinox. And then then a lot of starts, shit starts popping off, you know, like they're 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 in the the sunset run of the show at that point. And uh, you got to start. Got to start figuring out a way to end it. <laughs> so uh, season six has a lot of uh, interesting turns in front of us. I assure you of that. Looking forward to them. And we're looking forward to seeing all of you next week for our season five rip, uh, where Peter and I will reflect on the season that was in great detail, talk about what was good, what was bad, hand out some awards, both noble and ignoble alike. And we look forward to seeing you then. Peace. Peace.